0: Welcome back to Her and the Nerd Podcast. My name is Julia. Most people call me Jules and I do this podcast with my nerd of a husband, my hunky dev, Keegan. And welcome back to another episode of Her and the Nerd. We're so glad you decided to join us. Okay, so moment of truth. We went to plug in the microphone and set up for uh, recording the podcast today and you know, when we were testing, we noticed that the sound waves were really low and I was like, man, it's you know, I don't know why the sound waves are so low. Um, The past couple episodes, I've had to like go into editing and like Google shit and try to make it sound better because the audio waves are so small. So I had to uh, do a lot of like post-production editing on them to like make them sound sort of normal. So I realized that we hadn't been connecting the yeti mic so we have been recording into my laptop my 2015
1: while talking into the microphone that wasn't working
0: (laughs) the entire time i mean i can't even call myself a professional at this point because (laughs) to be fair to be fair i'm more of like management side versus the recording i'm a little rusty obviously but um i guess we can use my misfortune as uh, well it's also i feel like important to be transparent because we are just two people in this spare bedroom of their apartment on a laptop and a a getty mic now i think um talking about stuff so we're just keeping it real and Yeah, that was like a huge fail for me. But you know what? We're only on episode four. So in the long run, this will be real funny looking back. But if this episode is sounding better, which I hope it is. Actually, I hope you can't tell at all. But um, yeah, we're finally getting our shit together in just in time. This is our first episode since we've released uh, our first three episodes, Mm -hmm. which is pretty exciting.
1: It is exciting. I won't let the puppies in
0: no no you can literally hear that you can probably hear them now I know, that's crazy I they're worse. gonna calm down let's just give them a
1: minute you think so
0: yeah okay yeah i think they're just gonna eventually go lay down they'll be fine i just every time i edit this they're like in the background like leo's hacking or snorting or something and it's not cool man we, we gotta try to be a little bit professional a little bit just
1: i like the bumper sounds
0: <laughs> all right well comment below tweet at us get in touch with us let us know if the dog noises should go or they should stay oh man okay well it's been a while since we've sat down at a mic we had the holidays a lot has also been happening based on crypto universe defi land uh so i'm excited to catch up keegan Mm-hmm. me too <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been, buddy? Buddy. <laughs> you look like a four-year-old. You're like hands in your pockets and you're like hunched over with your cap and you're just giggling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, so do you want to talk about going home for the holidays? Yeah. Well, how are your holidays this year?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was great. Some of my family couldn't be there due to being sick—some the flu, and some Omicron—which uh, was a bummer. But despite that, it was uh, it was a good time. We went to Dothan, Alabama, and we were there for two days.
0: Peanut capital of the world, people. Yes,
1: has a peanut festival. It's widely renowned. Roll tide. And uh, yeah, so we went there. Um, yeah, saw cousin Tim and his girlfriend, yeah his girlfriend's cool they live in los angeles so pretty close to us that was fun to talk to them they're both in the entertainment industry so i find that world fascinating
0: yeah it's incredible i mean she's like a really talented um director of animated animated yeah which is really cool she's a super talented artist and tim has been a writer in LA for years and years and years and does comedy and does live action stuff so he kind of gives us some little insider industry tips sometimes it's really it's really fun to talk to them um hopefully we'll go to LA and see them yeah at some point we're wanting to make an LA trip and even though it's just a couple hours away you still end up spending money based on you know just an airbnb and traveling and meals and everything and it's like if we're gonna spend money we usually don't want to go somewhere just you know two hours north but we do want to go mm. uh, we have friends there we'd love to see and keegan and i haven't done a trip there together which is weird for those of you who don't know we Ever? live in san diego yeah
1: you and i've never been to los angeles no even before we moved
0: We've been, okay, we went the one time when we came to San Diego and LA. I guess we've done that trip, but not just the two of us since we've moved. Since we moved to California, which is two years ago, over two years ago. Yeah. I guess it was Which is also crazy. I can't believe that we've been, can you believe we've been here for two years?
1: Pretty weird.
0: It feels like a year. Like it definitely, I'm feeling the impacts of 2020 and COVID and all of us literally, losing a year. I mean, we moved here three months before the pandemic started, and...
1: We were in a teeny apartment, too. We were were in a loft. loft It was like 730 (laughs) square feet.
0: Yeah, and we didn't know anyone here. Well, we had our one couple that we were good friends with, and then we had made, you know, some other friends, but when we were all trying to be super careful, so it's not like you really saw anyone or talked to a lot of people, and... I don't know. It's just like whenever, you know, because we're starting to finally go out and meet people now, whenever people ask how long we've been here and I say two years, it just doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like way longer and way shorter at the same time. I feel like we're so behind. It's been wild, like turning 30 this year and then, you know, just having a super hard year and then not really knowing or having any, any like real plans or goals for 2022. It's kind of an interesting time.
1: Yeah, the world's waking back up, which is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, Keegan hasn't slowed down a bit. I mean, mm. I guess you did slow down a little bit. Yeah, I didn't but... work
1: for a week. I basically drank for a week.
0: <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out, but you definitely did. Um, but it was kind of nice because you do work hard and it was really fun to just go down to Alabama and Florida and just hang out not really have any plans like we slept in every day we didn't exercise for a week like we really just chilled out and I think I mean I was so exhausted I literally couldn't do more than that and I wasn't trying to make myself especially with everyone getting sick whether it's like he can set the flu or you know, cold or Omicron, whatever it is, it's like, I really didn't want to stress out my body. And I know that immune health is so important and sleep is a big part of that. So I kind of just try to listen to my body and always sleep when I need to sleep and not, you know, I have the luxury to do that, which I'm grateful for, but I've never really had a problem sleeping either. Like Keegan does not fall asleep. Like I hear him falling asleep to Rick and Morty every night. So
1: Yeah. Adult animated films. Yeah. Cartoons yeah. series, I guess.
0: Yeah, but yeah. you slept pretty good when we were at the beach, didn't you?
1: I did, but I was drinking all week.
0: <laughs> You're just drunk the whole time. That's Keegan's cure for a hangover. It's just keep drinking.
1: Yeah, you just taper down.
0: <laughs> it usually works, it does work. It's so funny. But yeah. it was great. Yeah, it was like a week. And of we were in Destin, and just for context. Yeah, because
1: Florida's a big old state. Yeah, we're in the Gulf. So we're like mm-hmm. an hour and a half south of where I live.
0: It's so funny because growing up in Nashville, um, everyone would go down to Panama City Beach, which is you know similar area for for spring break because it was like the closest beach you could drive to from Nashville, and so.
1: Spring Break Capital of the U.S. Yeah, and that's was.
0: that's true all the way through college. Um, and then Matt Keegan and his family. been going down there because where he's from is only an hour and a half from the beach so a lot of people have like second homes um by the beach because of that or like weekend homes so it's just funny that like obviously we met in nashville but i'm still going there never would have thought i'd still be going to 30a but i mean it's cool it's beautiful
1: it is beautiful um
0: very lucky to be able to go there it's just funny how it's an area I'm just as familiar with as you are, and we're from different places. Of all the places, you know?
1: Yeah, and shout out to my mom and Davis. They recently renovated their place down there, and it looks beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah, they have a house, um, like, two miles from Rosemary Beach, which is the start of Thirty Eight. So, yeah, we had a pretty sweet setup. We had a really fun time. And then, yeah, luckily we didn't have really any issues getting back, and for, basically for, for three days once we got back. Um, we were wa- we've were we been watching
1: <laughs> Yellowstone yeah Montana. when we went to visit my family even before I left I felt like I had 3 or 4 people asking about Yellowstone and I was like I don't, yeah, I don't know I've never seen it
0: I know we were and, way behind
1: well then when, when when we went home I think every single person was yeah. like oh my gosh have you guys seen Yellowstone and yeah, I was like jeez was geez, like 10 people in the past month anyway so we started watching it and
0: yeah we found it tight. we found our way around it Um, Yeah, on season three
1: in two days, almost done. And
0: I don't even know why I like it because it's I don't very like problematic in many ways, but
1: it is. um, Yeah, but the story's good. It's a it's a good story. It's
0: it's a it's a tough one. I think it it's funny. It's hard for me and Keegan to find shows that we both will like because he likes really like intense, uh, thought provoking like. Grab your brain and melt it, kind of things. And I like things that are very like entertaining and light. And this one, it's not, definitely not light, but it's entertaining and it's definitely got enough like drama of substance to keep you pulled to- in. Reminds me of like Animal Kingdom, that show. um Yeah, it's like Animal Kingdom yeah.
1: meets Succession.
0: Meets in the West. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else is watching Yellowstone, but we're ca- we're almost caught up. We're at like middle of season three i think they're at the end of season four now or something like that so we're catching up quick
1: yeah i feel like whoever's listening to this i'd say there's like an 80 percent chance they've watched yellowstone
0: (laughs) yeah it was funny because when i when i finally like posted on my social media about it and we talked to family about it so people have been telling us that they're super proud of us for starting the podcast and everything but um, that they probably wouldn't listen just because they don't know much about it and they think that it'll be over their head, which I totally understand and get. but I think it's important that we share a little bit about why we started this because we because Keegan knows so much about it and he just has you know knowledge of the opportunity in the space. you know we've been talking to our friends and family about it for the past year and you know the people, we talk to want to learn more about it they just you know it just feels overwhelming and so that's a big part of why we started this podcast because together we wanted to find a solution to those barriers to entry for people by hopefully being like oh i know julian Keegan, and they have this podcast that talks about it maybe it will feel like hanging out with us and going to get drinks with us or something and especially if you know us like just hear a little bit about what we have going on and what we're interested in and yeah, I just thought it was something that Keegan and I can do together that would be really fun, would be a project. I've been, you know, working in podcasts for a little while and I just together we saw the opportunity to come together and share Keegan's knowledge with my curiosity and um, lack of knowledge to kind of help me bridge the gap in So if you don't know a lot about blockchain, DeFi, NFTs, this is the right podcast for you, hopefully.
1: I would like to add, I think, yeah, I think there's three reasons why I wanted to do this. I think, one, I just enjoy doing things. I'm a doer, I guess. I don't know. But I like having side projects, and I think that was a big driving force, and I think to be able to do it with Julia is exciting. And I think the second thing is I like this topic. I, like, enjoy talking about it. Um, And, yeah, the third thing is just education. Like Julia said, I think people... You know, I I do think this has the potential to be um, massively disruptive in many ways and touch all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Um, similar to the internet now, uh, you know, if you stream something, it's using the internet. If you use Venmo, it's using the internet. Yeah. It, yeah. So I think uh, I think this has the potential to be a, you know to touch all of our lives, and now is the time to capitalize on it, um, whether it's monetary or. Um, You know just getting a jump start on the next wave of tech so yeah those are my three reasons
0: i want to make the note that this is just our opinion this is just kind of us having a conversation and a dialogue and just interacting with each other we're not here to be you know the source or the you know be all end all experts and in this field also so much is changing every single day in the industry and in the technology like everything is moving so quickly we kind of knew that we wanted to get the podcast out by the end of the year just because we didn't want the information to become irrelevant yeah we care a lot about you know having our intention come across and that we're just doing this as an outlet to have fun but also to give insight into a confusing topic that hopefully we make a little more fun to talk about just by Mm -hmm. our broadcast and just hanging out together because we like talking like i was saying earlier i talk about this with keegan all the time this is something it's
1: mainly just me blabbering on
0: which well i find it interesting (laughs) and i you know i've heard this information repeated to me over and over again every single day so i understand how it's intimidating and it's it's certainly, a different language, and just there's a big learning curve. So I understand that there's hesitation to like diving into it. And
1: I think the biggest takeaway is people should listen because again, I keep comparing it to when the internet came around. You know, again, if it's not monetary, it could it's it's a it's a very opportunistic time. I think that's a good summary. Um, you know, because if you were, you know, someone that was into the internet in the late '90s, early 2000s, you know, you could have seen how it could have improved your business or you know, you could have said, Hey, boss, Joey, can we, we should get on Google ads. And when it was like, you know, a cent per click. Uh, so I just, I, I just think that it's a very opportunistic time, whether it's investing or utilizing the technology to to you and or your company's benefit. So.
0: Yeah, and know. just so we can tell everyone in the future, we told you so. We're gonna just point to this podcast and be like, "Yeah, we told you." That's true.
1: That's probably <laughs> my fourth reason for starting this.
0: Um, yeah. Well, we just wanted to give a little bit more context and insight into that. So, yeah, send this to your grandma's Send this to your aunt. Send this to your little cousin. We want to hear back from you, so hit us up on Twitter at her and the nerd if you have any comments or if you're listening. We just had a fun Twitter experience today. I, from the Her and the Nerd account, joined a Live Spaces uh, meetup on Twitter, hosted by HumbleSwap, which is the decks that Keegan has been working on at his full-time job. Um, it's written in Reach language, so that's their like parent company, I guess. And it was really cool. Uh, the CEO was on there. Pause for Keegan pouring whiskey. That wasn't a long enough pour. You know you want more than that. you just get embarrassed? <laughs>
1: what well, no, we got over there.
0: there. you <laughs> Tell the people what you're drinking.
1: $32.99 Jim Beam. Whatever that is. A
0: handle a Jim Beam we got <laughs> over her.
1: <gasps> I'm on a budget.
0: Balling on a budget. Balling on a budget. Uh, so we were on Twitter, Twitter space with HumbleSwap, Reach, Keegan's boss... Keegan's boss's boss, and just they were answering questions on Spaces, um, just about humble swap, what kind of functionality it's going to have, and a big. Well, Keegan, do you want to give a little bit of backstory of you know what's been going on, and uh, the recent news and Tiny Man and everything?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the team that I'm part of is Reach Labs, uh, I believe in an earlier episode i said specialty products but we've been rebranded to reach labs and one of the the first big projects we're working on is adex which is a decentralized exchange that will be multi-chain meaning you could use it on algorand or ethereum or cardano or whatever you know the, the once we get those partners it will expand and expand and expand to be cross-chain but our primary focus right now is to launch it on algorand to my knowledge, there's only one decentralized exchange on Algorand, which, uh, Algorand is a blockchain, and it's called Tiny Man, and they had an exploit. A, they had a problem in their code that was exploited, so and when I say exploited, I mean uh, taken advantage of. So es- essentially someone you know messed, did a, did a boo-boo in the code, and someone saw that boo-boo and was like, oh wow, I can... You know,
0: steal a bunch of money.
1: Yeah, so that's basically what an exploit is. You you know you either see it in the code or find out. Hey, this is not being accounted for. I can you know I can steal whatever doing taking steps X Y and Z. And so yeah, so this code error, this boo boo, people found it and they were just draining funds um, from Tiny Man in a nutshell. But but you think about that to scale. So the pool that was targeted the most was go btc which is bitcoin um which is basically bitcoin on ethereum or on algorand and bitcoin is you know worth fifty thousand dollars so when you're talking about getting you know half of a half of a bitcoin addition in addition to what you deposit it's twenty five thousand dollars a pop so you just go get an extra twenty five thousand do it again get an extra twenty five thousand so you're just siphoning out you know tens of thousands of dollars and again i'm simplifying the attack but the, i hope that makes sense um Anyways, in, in total, you know, this was a problem that occurred across all the pools. And I think as of a day ago, I think the dollar amount was about $3 million um, that was siphoned out in a day due to this exploit. But the estimate's probably around $4.55 million um, because of all the smaller pools and all of the liquidity that's going to be locked up in the contracts. Because Tiny Man came out and said, you know, they literally said, hey, I'm paraphrasing, but don't use our product. This is, you know you need to get all of your money out of tiny man, the decentralized exchange that, yeah, you're, you know, so it's a big deal because again, going back, this is the only decentralized exchange on Algorand. So if you wanted to trade assets on Algorand or NFTs on Algorand, whatever, um, I guess not NFTs, but you would, uh, you would use, Al- you would use tiny man. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. And yeah, so to Julia's point, the,
0: there were, there Keegan's companies, uh, Biggest competitor, you would say. So yeah, uh, the only competitor. I Yeah, think. yeah, the only competitor. So it was funny. Today. We were, we were actually, while we were watching Yellowstone this weekend, Keegan had bought some tokens of Bean, <laughs> and he joined this DAO. It was really interesting because uh, it was going up like really quickly, right?
1: Yeah. So there's there was this token. It turns out I actually knew the guy that started the, man, it's confusing. So there is this ASA or token, an ASA is basically a token on Algorand. Um, So there was this token on Algorand called DGEN. (laughs) DGEN is basically like a umbrella DAO, right? You buy DGEN, the DGEN token, whether it's one or 10 million, you know, you become a part of this contributing community. But under DGEN, so DGEN is like this umbrella, and then under DGEN, there are these other children dao's <laughs> so it's like degen is a dao and then these other daos within the dao that's kind of confusing so web.
0: it's like a family tree kind of thing
1: yeah um and again dao is a decentralized autonomous organization so that's what i mean by dao so anyways there was this child dao created from degen called uh coffee dao and what they are doing is they're you know it's basically a a pool of NFTs that anyone's willing to donate. You know, if you could go on there today and donate. Hey, I want to donate this NFT to the DAO. So it's completely community-driven. There's no, you, you know, uh, direct monetary incentive. But to get an ownership of that, of that DAO, you have to buy these thing, these uh, tokens called Bean. You know, coffee beans, coffee DAO. Yeah. So I thought it was a great idea. Um, it made sense to me with the growth of Algorand and the NFT space because you're essentially it's it's basically an index fund for DAOs with a very low circulating supply of ten thousand. So because yeah. of its
0: scarcity and because of the fact that Keegan was able to get in early, yeah, um, like the day of, yeah, like the day of. Yeah, so he... I bought.
1: Yeah, I bought in at so when we were at the beach, I was like, hey, I think I told Julia because you know I was very fortunate enough to get up. A bonus for my company, and it was in Algos, and I said, "Hey, you know, I want to do this. I'm going to, you know, I kind of want to play, play it a little risky. If I guess depending on your risk, whatever, pretty risky with half of my Algorand bonus, and yeah, so I I I bought pretty much spent it all on Bean and DeGen, and uh, yeah, so I bought Bean at six Algos per Bean, and I bought a hundred because I wanted to have one percent ownership. Because if you have one percent ownership of the Dow, Then you get to propose votes on what happens to the Dow. And then, you know, literally 24 hours later, it was over 100, not 100, no, it was over 70 algo per. Um, So, you know, you're talking about a 10, 12x gain in like a day, which is insane.
0: Yeah, so we just kept watching it go up and up like over the weekend.
1: Yeah, it was fun. And then and then the Tiny Man attack happened, and then it dropped. But
0: That's why we knew right away when the Tiny Man thing happened, because we had been watching the coffee, <laughs> coffee bean go up, and we were like, holy crap, it's, like, continuing to go up. It's continuing to go up. And um, I think you pretty much immediately, like, heard of the Tiny Man thing, and then he was talking to everyone in his Slack channel because... Um, Obviously, it kind of added a little bit of urgency to what they're doing, knowing that there is a huge demand right now for an exchange on Algorand. And Reach mm-hmm. uh, is so well known and the, their CEO is so well known that people want to support them. So that's yeah. kind of what the Twitter spaces also was about today, which was really fun. What I thought was really neat when people are asking questions um, in the Twitter spaces today was, you know, a lot of people brought up that issue because it's top of mind for everyone what steps are you taking to make sure something like this an exploit doesn't happen with humble swap
1: yeah and uh i believe it was chris or the ceo of reach i think it was him that said writing in reach you wouldn't have that problem because the the program wouldn't compile um what reach does is it uses these mathematical theorems or uh possibilities and it Basically, through programmatic logic, it will say, you know, it goes through every possible path.
0: Basically, it's just mathematically not possible. And what you were saying is that if the same thing well, happened in...
1: It's not... Math- no, it's still possible. It's just much more unlikely if you write it in Reach. Because it's going to catch a lot of these errors.
0: Right. So basically, you were saying that if Tiny Man... If this same thing happened on Tiny Man, they uh, that happened on Tiny Man happened on Reach, it wouldn't even get to that point of... Taking out, you know, siphoning money because it would just say an error; it wouldn't even let you get.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't even let you. Comp- yeah. So here's a better way to say it: Had Tiny Men written this in Reach, they would have caught this. I mean, bef- months ago before they even launched, because the program wouldn't even compile. And I guess for context, if you're not, if you don't know anything about computers or programming, you, so you write, you write a, a program in a language. Uh, maybe people have heard of Python, maybe or JavaScript. Um, Reach is a programming language, and you write in a language. Um, and if it's a compiled language, which, which Reach is, you write it, and then you I'm simplifying it, but you click a button and say compile, and you know it compiles that code into into the source of what is consuming it. So, in Tinyman's case, you know they would be they would they could have written in Reach, they would have compiled it they would have seen an error, so they would have said, oh, shoot, what is this error from? Um, and they would have fixed it, then recompiled. Is there still an error? Fixed it, recompiled. And then once it compiles, then they would, they would deploy it to Algorand. So, yeah. So it, it would have never gotten past the compilation phase with Reach because it would have said, hey, there, you know, this theorem failed because this possibility could happen.
0: Ask a dev. Here we are.
1: Does that, make, does that make sense
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: kind of okay
0: yeah no and that's that's just one of the ex- most exciting parts about it is because our humble swap hasn't even launched yet We're you're still in closed beta mm-hmm. um so you just have like a lot of interest but it also does that make you feel any like more pressure about making sure that you don't write <laughs> the wrong thing
1: yeah but again what i said is like the there will be bugs i mean there's always bugs but i think a bug to this magnitude i don't i don't think that'll happen purely because it's written in reach and it won't compile because the compiler would have caught these errors so i don't know if there's pressure on making sure the bugs don't don't exist i think there's pressure on delivering a product that people want to see because the demand has gone up substantially over the past you know day 24 hours um so yeah, I'm not too worried about the, sm- the smart contract being written well. I'm more concerned at this point, um, you know, just the user experience and the UI being being tasteful and people enjoying it and all of that.
0: So in a DEX, what are some reasons why someone would go to HumbleSwap?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I feel like I'm harping on it, but I'm going to say it again. I think one, um, it might not mean much to people now, but it's written in reach, and I think as the, as this world grows, people are going to want, you know, something that gives them some, some kind of, it's not 100% assurance, but people are going to want, you know, kind of like a stamp of approval, hey, this was written in reach, hey, this, you know, similar to when you buy something, you want to buy something in America, hey, this is made in America. Um, I think people are going to want something that's stamped, hey, this is built in reach, and I think There's a a tiny subsect of the larger community that recognizes that now, but I think that will become more prominent in the future. So I think, A, the fact that it's written in reach. I think, B, we're focusing more. We have a a fantastic designer, Nina, who is... Her designs are beautiful. She's making it very welcoming. Um, A lot of the DeFi products, um, a Dex would fall under a DeFi product. So a lot of the DeFi products are very... I don't know, they're geared more towards high minimalism, and in my opinion, kind of geared towards more technical people. I guess the flip side of that is they're either very minimal, geared to high technical people, or they're very cartoonish, very over the top, um, as far as their interface that, you know, 1,000%, someone over 40 is probably not going to want to use. So I think Nina is has drawn up designs that are very welcoming, very, uh, very friendly, so... Yeah, I think the second point is it's, uh, it's not intimidating, it's welcoming, and I think three, um, you know, the, the plan for HumbleSwap is to provide support, so we want to have, you know, live support 24-7, um, which to my knowledge currently doesn't exist, so I think, uh, you know, if you're going to use a DEX, you want something that's built by, you know, a verified tool that it's highly unlikely to fail. Not highly unlikely but much less likely than if someone wrote in the blockchain's language the proprietary language too. i think the design is welcoming and three i think you know knowing that there is support to help you out if you don't understand it it's there so yeah i think those are the three reasons in my head why someone would use humble over someone else and it is cross-chain that's a big one so you know it, we're focusing on algorithm now but you know currently if you want to trade if you want to swap on Ethereum, you have to go use uh, ETH decks. If you want to swap on Cardano, you have to use Cardano decks. You want to swap on Algo, you have to use Algo decks. You know, a humble swap will ultimately be everything I said, those three points, and the fourth point is it will be a multi chain source. So you just click a drop down, select Ethereum, click a drop down, select Cardano. So
0: So do you think that, you know, basically because the um token the coffee bean token that you recently bought because they were on algorand do you think that they whenever you know humble swap is ready to use mm-hmm. do you think that they will use it because it's um right now on algorand mm-hmm.
1: i think most people on algorand that are interested in swapping or interested in using a dex in any capacity will come to humble swap especially I hate it for them and their users uh you know tiny men's reputation for the time is is tarnished and they they, they will come back and you know in, in three or four months six months this will be like it never happened um but there's going to be you know 10 20 30 dexes by that point so i think right now um just because of timing and what's what's happened with tiny man i think a lot of people are going to come to humble swap you know they've heard they've heard, heard you know, bird whispers is that a thing
0: <laughs> bird whispers bird whispers i've never heard of it
1: yeah i think i made that up <laughs> but they've heard you know over the past month i guess you know i think people have been hearing whispers of humble swap so i think just subconsciously or consciously yeah i think people oh i want to use this deck. So that's i oh yeah i remember tommy424 on reddit remember him yeah. saying this so yeah i think a lot of people including people that have Beans to provide liquidity to, I think they'll move to HumbleSwap. I think a lot of people will.
0: How long until you think it's ready to use?
1: Well, yeah, I think it's relative. It's technically ready to use now. You can go to humbleswap.com. In software, there's no done, there's really no finished product, right?
0: Yeah, I just mean like when will people be able to use it?
1: Well, they can use it today. You mean on mainnet? hmm Yeah, so I think we'll go to mainnet after audit. We've really been pushing hard to get the auditors to look at our code. I don't know. If I had to guess, I would probably say like five weeks. And and again, that timeline is at this point, we're just kind of waiting on an audit, which is kind of silly because the same auditors we're using are the ones Man used. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, audits are basically a stamp of approval. They don't really catch much unless it's... Very, extremely obvious.
0: Who does this auditing?
1: The one that did Tiny Man, and I think the one that's doing ours, I'm not sure. My boss is the one spearheading that, but uh, Runtime Verification is the is the big one, but it's not... Yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's very much a stamp of approval, because you're...
0: There's not a lot of standards or anything. Yeah,
1: and they're slowly becoming... They're slowly coming, but the thing to keep in mind is when you write this program you know you're talking about low-level code that you it's not very human readable you have to know what you're looking at it's not like reading a book by any means so I I see both sides it's just impossible to audit something 100% you just can't because you're talking about someone who spent months years writing this program and you have auditors come in like deduce what's happening what the logic is like what maybe they don't know the language super well so they have research that language and you know they have to. It, it's 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 a very it's a very difficult job. Um, but the but I think the main takeaway that I be people to understand is like an audit. If you see a program is audited, that's great. It's better than not being audited, but it, by no means means it's safe. I.e. Tiny Man.
0: Interesting. But you think it'll be better and better in the future? Or You just think because of the nature of programming that you could never really audit something. 100%?
1: No, I think. And, and that's that's one of the big things of reach is like, so the things that auditors probably won't catch, i.e. this tiny man bug, reach catches. It, it would say, hey, this theorem failed when this sequence of events happens. You should fix this. Yeah. So reach catches, you know, a lot of them. You can't say 100%. Nothing can be 100%. It doesn't matter. Very few things in life are 100%, but it catches a the vast majority of things so I think what's going to happen in the future is yeah I think reach or Reach's competitor maybe I don't know but it's I think most of it's going to be automated and then by nature of knowing that that program was written in this language they'll know like oh okay or this framework will they'll know oh, okay this is probably good and then a, and then a, yeah. and then an auditor stamp will, will at that point will literally people will recognize oh this is just a you know, it's like, it's like being verified for a, for a skill. When you go online, you take a little test, and you get verified. You know, there's some companies that care about that, but most companies are like, okay, I don't really care. It's garbage.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: hmm
0: What else did you think was interesting that people asked today? Or like, is there something that you wish someone had asked?
1: I kind of wasn't paying attention fully because I was working during it. But no, I think the questions asked were great. Um, someone asked about incentives. Uh, I think that's a good question. Like, why should I be an early adopter to this knowing, you know, because in DeFi, you know, you're dealing with real money. It's uh, it's in the form of tokens, uh, but it, but it's real money. These tokens have high dollar value. So, um, you know, why should some, someone ask, you know, what are the incentives? And I heard in my head, why should I use this early knowing that, you know, it's possible this thing fails or no one right, uses yeah. it. So... I think that was a good question. Um, yeah, it was over an hour, so I think people people got them in. I can't think of anything that I would have liked to heard.
0: Yeah, I was like looking through everyone there, and every everyone's picture is like an NFT. <laughs> it's so funny. I do feel like a fish out of water a little bit, but nothing that they talked about was something completely over my head. And I think obviously doing this podcast and committing this to my memory and knowledge helps because i know you know what asa is and amm and you know i can kind of pull out those keywords and things um so even though it seems really intimidating i could definitely follow everything or most things or at least deduce so um back to what keegan was saying earlier about how you know one of the reasons why we want to do this is because there's do this is in the podcast Is because there's a lot of opportunity in this space now and we want anyone who is willing to spend you know 52 minutes you know listening to us um you know we want to make sure that you have the information that we have and can act on it and can kind of be a part of that wave that we're still very much ahead of We really do want to make sure that we are giving you guys those openings and tidbits of information, but you know, you are at some point going to have to know all of this. Like this isn't Mm -hmm. something that is going away. It's like almost, you know, whenever Facebook came around and MySpace and the internet and everything and... You know, then apps started and, p- and people were like, oh, I'm not going to download those apps. And like no one had apps on their phone. And then there was a huge boom of app developers. And then that whole world opened opened up. And now we spend the majority of our time on apps mm-hmm. on our phones. And so yeah. this isn't going to be something that is just like a fleeting moment. And it's going to like poof into dust. Like this is going to be our future universe. And, you know, why not? get in while we can really take advantage of it and make money or just being ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, to Julia's point, you know, it is like Facebook's a good example of, I don't know how old you are, but either way you're young and you remember, you know, being on Facebook and, you know, your parents were saying, why this this, why why are you doing this? This is silly. Like, why don't you just talk to them? Even further back than that, I remember texting. I remember texting people and, my dad saying, why are you, why don't you just call them? This is silly to spend money on this. And you know now, your parents probably have a Facebook, and they probably text 100 times a day. So yeah, I think Julia's right in that, but I think the point is that this is much, much, much bigger. I mean, you're talking about Facebook plus Visa. I mean, it's big. And yeah. I don't think people understand the magnitude at which this is going to change everything could potentially change everything. And it's just like, I, I think a better comparison is making transactions over the internet. You know, I remember being very young and people were weary about, you know, buying things on eBay or making a, a payment over the internet. Now people do it like it's nothing. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just been repeated in history so many times. And, you know, this is a time where you get to choose how you pay, whether it's Ethereum, whether it's Algorand, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Cardano, whether it's whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, You know, we're living in a time where you can, or we're going to live in a time potentially where you're able to choose how you pay in the fiat, not fiat, choose the currency that you want. I think that's incredibly empowering.
0: Yeah. And it's just, uh, I think we should do a segment on here about like behind our tweets (laughs) Keegan found this video on YouTube. Um, it's an interview of Bill Gates by David Letterman in 1995. Basically, where David Letterman is like, what is the internet and making fun of Bill Gates? Um, basically, like he's a nerd and like, what's the point? And he's, if you want to follow us or look on our Twitter, pause for Keegan pouring Jim Beam. <laughs> this is not an ad. If you want to follow at her and the nerd on Twitter, we say, and the, the caption is, hey, hashtag blockchain, sound familiar? And you can just click on YouTube link, but it's it's pretty funny. He's like, oh, well, you can listen to, Bill Gates is saying, you know, uh, well, you'll be able to listen to baseball games on the computer. And, and David Letterman's like, have you ever heard of a radio? And it's like, it's, it's like that back and forth, and it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about, like, how different the world is and just... 26 years Um, and that's like when you know I was a kid is when the internet came about and it's just everything is moving so quickly and I think DeFi is going to move even faster than the technological adoption that has happened in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be prepared. I want to help other people have access to this information in a more digestible format.
1: Oh yeah okay here's something that Names that people know, right? So one thing that happened in the past two to three weeks was Nike... No, maybe a month. It doesn't matter. But Nike bought bought a Metaverse company. So they bought a company that produces digital, digital uh, 3D world VR products. Um, so that's Nike. That's one of the biggest brands on the planet. You have Paris Hilton, who... Changed her Twitter name Paris. Eth. What does that mean? That means she probably bought that domain that is built on the Ethereum blockchain, and I believe she launched an NFT collection. You also have Eminem, who bought a board ape, a part of the collection of Board Ape Yacht Club for four hundred and sixty thousand USD, um, and changed his profile picture to it. So those are three massive. Massive things, and sure, there are bets, you know, it could fail. But the point is, is like it, th- there are notable brands and notable people coming into this space. And on
0: the weekly, Paris's uh handle on Twitter is parishilton.eth. That's that was interesting. I'm not surprised, she's a great bu- businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, more and more people who are notable are coming out with it, and I bet more people are involved in them, they just haven't been public about it.
1: Maybe. I don't know. There still is a high stigma of, like, it's internet money. This makes no sense. It's a Ponzi.
0: That's how you know you're still early, friends. Mm-hmm. When, there's, when everyone adopts it and when it's, like, your mom and your grandma and everyone down the street has it, you've, you're have you too late. So mm-hmm. now's the time to have a little risk. Um, speaking of Ward 8 Club, <laughs> when we were getting on the plane to go to Florida uh someone in front of us was wearing a board ape yacht club hoodie (laughs) like getting onto the plane and so we were like in the you know not terminal what's it called thing the bridge we were in this like little bridge between the airport and the plane and i noticed it and i like spazzed and i was like pointing aggressively and i was like keegan keegan he was like what and because it was early and he doesn't like to speak in the mornings and i was mm-hmm. like it's a 40pl club shirt and i was like all pumped on it and he just like grunted at me or something <laughs> but then he was like oh yeah that's funny that's cool and i we wanted to talk to him we never did but i was like does he have to have an nft to have that hoodie like i wonder how
1: it would be the same thing yeah and what i told julia is like i I truly believe this. Maybe it's not Board 8, maybe they fall out of fashion, maybe they grow to be a you know, multi billion dollar company, but what Julia was saying is it's like now, you know, someone having a knockoff Louis Vuitton or a knockoff whatever name your brand. It's like why do you think they have a real Louis Vuitton? It's the same it's the same concept. Sure you might not have a board Eight, but it's the next generation will want to represent that they have ownership in this thing. And so what's cooler? So instead of buying a Louis Vuitton handbag, I truly think kids are going to buy something that represents the asset that they own to be like, it, it's a flex.
0: That's, yeah, that's their club. That's their it's the like, new, crew. It's the new
1: flex. Either yeah. A, you got an early or B, you can afford it. Because now, let's be honest, the brands, it's about afford. I mean, like, yeah. hey, I have a Louis Vuitton or a Prada or whatever, name your thing. It's like, this is a nice bag. I'm proud of this thing. But you're not. But you didn't do anything. Um, you don't have any ownership in it. So if you if you buy this NFT, this board ape for whatever, let's say you bought it at a thousand dollars, now it's worth five hundred thousand dollars. You have some money to you have some money to play with. Like that is an earned, uh, yeah. quote it's, unquote. It gives you it thing. gives
0: back. It's like it gives you rewards literally. Yeah,
1: and you can you know. Uh, so yeah, I think the, the point of what I'm making is like I I do think in the in the future maybe it's a year maybe it's ten years but people will be flexing these quote, unquote, NFT brands, and I truly believe most brands will be, quote, unquote, NFT brands.
0: So if you want to check out a uh, picture of this boardy fat Club sweatshirt, I was a super creep and got one as this dude, random dude, was boarding the airplane. Um, so yeah, check it out at Her and the nerd on Twitter. Um, this was kind of a random episode, but we just wanted to kind of catch up after the holidays and...
1: Oh, we didn't um, talk about the NFT people at the bar.
0: Oh, yeah. Good memory. Yeah, okay. So, Keegan, do you want to tell that?
1: I can. Yeah, so we were at this bar in 30A, and there were these kids, I'm calling them kids, they're probably early 20s, do you think? Yeah,
0: yeah. Early 20s.
1: Yeah, and they were talking about, you know, NFTs, because, you know, they're sitting... Five feet away from us, um, and yeah, you know, they were just, they were talking about NFTs and you know the value, like what to look for, like oh this collect. I don't I remember the collection they were talking about, but yeah, he um, was
0: bra- bragging about. He was like, "Look, I just made eight hundred dollars off of this."
1: Yeah, but the, we're seeing this thing unfold. It's yeah. not an, it's still niche, but it's. I mean, it's it's happening from yeah. everywhere, from Nike to people at the bar. I mean, it's yeah. it's unfolding at a rapid pace.
0: Even his, like, sister next to him wasn't saying much. It's so interesting. It's, like, it's creeping in, but a lot of people still have no idea what it is. And that's another thing is, like, I want women to be a part of this and to have knowledge about it because I feel like we just kind of feel excluded if we're not, like, nerdy people.
1: World of Women.
0: Um, yeah, so it's just, like, ladies, let's get on in it. Let's jump in. Let's, like, World of Women is out. an
1: NFT collection on Ethereum. It's run by women. Oh, that's cool. Reese Witherspoon has one.
0: Oh, sweet. Yeah. What are some other It was her profile ones? pictures. I don't,
1: I don't know any women specific ones other than that.
0: Oh, I need to look up some women specific things. But
1: yeah, Reese Witherspoon, actually, I forgot about her. Will you look her up on Twitter? Yeah. I think Reese, yeah, Reese Witherspoon bought one of the pieces from World of Women and it was her profile picture on Twitter yeah, for a while. Yeah, it still is. Okay. Yeah. So it still is. So yeah, again, Reese Witherspoon bought and put it as her profile picture. It, it it's coming. I mean, it's it's so obvious to me
0: do you remember so i was on instagram and one of the influencers i follow was basically she posted a picture and the caption was like uh this is what i call shopping now and she was i was like keegan what is this because what i saw on her screen looked like an nft and so i was like keegan what is this and he was like oh yeah it was it's an nft exchange or
1: oh marketplace OpenSea.
0: what's it called
1: it's like an nft marketplace so yeah where you can, and what's yeah. it called OpenSea.
0: Okay, yeah. So I'm just thinking like if people want a visual like, okay, I want to get on my phone and buy an NFT right now. I go on to something like OpenSea and you're mm-hmm. you said there's a lot of them. Mhm. So what what should people look for in the right place to shop? I know we've gone over this in other episodes. But...
1: Yeah. I mean it, it's it's up to the person. It's up to your budget. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like asking what do you want to buy? If you're going out shopping with someone and you're like, what do you want to buy? And it's like, well, I mean, what, there are questions like, what are your budget? What's your style? And some, it, the questions are very similar here. Like, what's your budget? What's your style? I mean, you can buy some dope NFTs for like, you know, $5, $100. Um, you know, but if you have money and you want the Louis Vuittons, the Pradas, you know, you're going to look at something like CryptoPunks or Bored Apes or World of Women. So yeah, it really just all depends. But I think at the end of the day, you need to buy something, whether it's art or a pe- like a piece of clothing, you know, you, you need to buy it because you like it and you see value in it. Um, and if it's not an investment, maybe it's something you just like. I mean, it's like art, you know. You can buy some cool-ass art at Goodwill. It's um, a similar thing. So yeah, it just all depends. If you're looking for an investment, I mean, you're going to need to do way more research than I can give right now. But yeah i mean it's art it's 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 digital art so
0: yeah what does crypto pilling mean
1: crypto pilling let me see
0: crypto pilling my boyfriend my girlfriend
1: oh i i think that means like red pill blue pill matrix like Like Uh, (laughs) introducing—that's my deduction. I don't know.
0: Honestly, just go follow a bunch of NFT people and crypto people on Twitter, and you'll you'll start to get it and get in on the joke. It's kind of funny.
1: I will say this: I bet in the next by next Christmas, I bet half the people—no, that's high. I would bet twenty percent of the people you follow on social media will have tweeted, or posted, or bought. An NFT, and I think in the next two years that that number will probably be forty. Well, and NFTs
0: will change. Right now, there are in the future, there are going to be a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you were talking to one of our friends about that. Yeah, we'd love to know what kind of topics we should talk about next. We kicked around a lot of ideas when we were on vacation um, about different like formats and different ways we can do this podcast. Like you know, as far as going deep onto specific cryptos, like an episode on Ethereum. An episode on Polkadot or Algorand, whatever, like the history of blockchain, um, kind of doing a little bit more research and preparation in advance and doing a little bit of like history lessons on things. So if you have any ideas um, of things you'd like to hear from this podcast, hit us up on Twitter at her and nerd. Uh, We'll probably have a website here soon. We have to take care of our dogs, they need our attention. They've been away from us for an an hour. (laughs) 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 they're too excited too excited to hang out with us so we're gonna sign off for now but thank you again for listening to this episode of her and the nerd uh we're excited to get out episodes to you regularly uh make sure to follow us on twitter like and subscribe follow on uh spotify and apple podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts we really 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 appreciate it
1: bye